0: Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, again for your goodness and your grace to us. Uh, We thank you uh, for your word and for revealing yourself to us and revealing yourself to us um, most centrally in Jesus Christ and for showing yourself to be loved to us. Father, I pray now that um, you would help us and stir our minds to reflect on your word and may we think Uh, more deeply about uh, what it means to be made in the image of God. Um, I pray that your spirit would help us now. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, for those of you who haven't met me, uh, I think most of you have. I'm Brandon Bennett. I'm new here at the Advent, about a couple months uh, I've been here, um, and I'm helping Matt Schneider. So just so you know who I am, uh, just been around for a little bit. So, uh, I see there were a few of you crazy enough to, you know, jump in here and be here for my first Sunday school
1: class,
0: (laughs) and you may have seen the title of it is uh, Taking God at His Word on Being Human in Genesis 1 through 3. So, what I thought we'd do to get started um, is watch a video, and um, I didn't feel like you wanted to sit up here or sit over there and hear me talk for a while. So I thought what we would do is listen to the video, um, read Genesis together, and sort of make it a discussion group. Um, and then this will be part one, and next week will be part two. And so what we'll do is make some suggestions this time, and then uh, sort of press in a little bit more um, to see what we think Genesis is getting at with uh, the questions we're asking. Have any of you seen this scarecrow uh, commercial from Chipotle? No. No? Okay. Chipotle, of course, the restaurant. The Mexican restaurant.
2: It's also that pepper.
1: The pepper? Yeah, that's (laughs) right. (laughs) It's
2: spicy,
1: I think.
0: was the end. So um, I think you probably recognize the song, I hope. It's from um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, whatever the name of the movie actually is. It's a remake of um, uh, that movie, or of that song from the 70s, I guess it is. Um, So before we read Genesis, I think ever since I've heard this, um, or saw this commercial and heard the song with Fiona Apple singing it, I think because she sings it so uh, beautifully and the way she sings it uh, sort of raises the hair on my back a little bit sometimes. Um, But did you hear the words uh, to the song? Um, Did anybody pick up on sort of the message behind the commercial?
1: I mean, well, first of all, with the cows being ground up in the thing, right? Uh, to me, it's, it's to promote vegetarianism,
0: right? So uh, let's eat less meat. That's right. It's it's.
1: So I get the point of the ad, right? Deeper than that, just it looked automatic and not very interesting, you know, why
0: Right. Certainly. Um, uh, Chipotle is wanting us to uh, buy into um, what they think is a better world, an, an organic, uh, organic food um, with you know not as many preservatives and that sort of thing. I wrote down the lyrics in case you missed it. Um, she says in one verse, We'll begin with a spin, traveling in a world of my creation, What we'll see will defy explanation. And every time I hear that, I downloaded the song and I listened to it in the car sometimes. Every time I hear that, I just think um, sort of how beautiful it is. What we'll see will defy explanation. It's so absolutely beautiful, and yet, I can't help but think behind that is absolute evil, in a sense. because it's being awestruck at my creation. It's, it's taking um, creation and making it into my project. It's um, I am the creator. Uh, she says, um, I'll just continue to read, if you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to, do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. There is no life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living there, listen to the message, living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. So it's a message to us here and now in Birmingham, Alabama, that there's something wrong with the world. And if you truly wish to be free, you can be. And you can be your own creator. Translation, I think, you can be your own God, essentially. There is no life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. Any thoughts on that before we go further? Very seductive. Very seductive, yeah. Yeah.
3: She's uh, talking about a
0: utopian community somewhere. Right, right. So looking for perfection and paradise and utopia. Yeah. Do you do you guys think uh, in other commercials that you sort of hear this message? Is that um, have you thought that before? Just do it. Just, Just do, do it. Nike. Yeah, Nike. There you go. Is all the
1: price? Right. On well, financial planning about how you can,
0: like, make your own security and make your own right. financial security, retirement security,
3: you know, and, that, and that'll be your life. That right. Absolutely. You know, if you think about it, it's all marketing, <clears throat> because all marketing is intended to plug into your audience's deepest felt needs, so. Interesting. That's, you know, yeah. That's what it's intended to do, so.
0: Yeah, and that's what really hits the sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. Well, very good. Um, and you see, by the way, at the end, just my so I pause here, cultivate a better world. It's, a, it's law, as we like to say, at Advent. All right, so does everyone, what I was hoping we could do is read Genesis 1 through 3 together. Uh, I think that would be best. Does everyone have um, a Bible with them so we could read? It <coughs> be Thank you, Emily. I, I should have planned for that.
4: Nobody that what it is? <laughs> I heard
1: a um, man in Derry, Connecticut, long time ago when the, um, the <clears throat> priest there who was preaching the gospel early on to, to the awakening, and he, he made a comment in one of the tapes. I don't hear any rustling of the leaves. <laughs> and then he said, oh, I forgot. He said, it's the Episcopal Church. They, I'll have to tell them to bring their Bible <laughs> and the brown paper sack. <laughs> Good point. I'll remember that.
0: All right, so Genesis 1, verse 1. Would someone like to read for us? I'll read. Okay, you want to read chapter one, maybe?
4: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out with, was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. And God said, Let there be a firmament firm, firmament, in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and separated the waters which were under the firmament from, which, from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And there was evening and there was morning, a second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth put forth veg- vegetation plant yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, and which is their seed, each according to its kind, upon the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, and which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let, the, and let them be lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the firmament of the heavens. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters form according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let, and let birds multiply upon the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the cattle according to their kinds, and everything that creeps upon the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth and god said behold i have given you every plant yielding seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air And to everything that creeps upon the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given you, Um, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a sixth day.
0: Very good. Chapter 2, we're just going to read chapter 2 and then leave chapter 3 for next week. So anybody want to read? Chapter 2. Thank you.
2: Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good, aromatic, resin, and onyx were also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire lands of Cush. The land of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Thank you. Thank you both for reading.
0: So as we read Genesis 1 through 2, and again, this is sort of a discussion kind of based approach, um, with next week pressing in a little bit more to answer kind of some of the questions we're asking. But as we begin to um, ask those questions in the last uh, 20 minutes or so that we have, I think this quote from Martin Luther is really good at helping us see the relationship between God and man. And I think it applies just as much to Galatians, since that's what he's writing about, just as much there as it does here in Genesis. So, um, can all of you read that? I'll tell you what, I'll, if you can't, I'll read it out loud. With these words, Paul makes faith in God the supreme worship. By the way, he's writing on Galatians 3.6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He's commenting on that verse, and he says, With these words, Paul makes faith in God the supreme worship, the supreme allegiance, the supreme obedience, and the supreme sacrifice. To attribute glory to God is to believe in him, to regard him as truthful, wise, righteous, merciful, and almighty. In short, To acknowledge him as the author and donor of every good. Reason does not do this, but faith does. It consummates the deity. If I may put it this way, it is the creator of the deity, not in the substance of God, but in us. For without faith, God loses his glory, his wisdom, righteousness, truthfulness, mercy, etc., in us. In short, God has none of his majesty or divinity where faith is absent. Nor does God require anything greater of man than that he attribute to him his glory and his divinity. That is, that he regard him, not as an idol, but as God, who has regard for him, listens to him, shows mercy to him, helps him. When he has obtained this, God retains his divinity sound and unblemished. That is, he has whatever a believing heart is able to attribute to him. To be able to attribute such glory to God is wisdom beyond wisdom, righteousness beyond righteousness, religion beyond religion, and sacrifice beyond sacrifice. From this, it can be understood what great righteousness faith is, and by antithesis, what a great sin unbelief is. So Luther says that above anything that we could ever do, Faith is the supreme worship of God. And notice he says, it's that we regard God as truthful, as good. The overwhelming message is that God is a good God. He is a loving God. He is merciful. He is, to put it one way, he is self-giving. He gives of himself to us. And what should man do? Man should believe in this, meaning he should regard that as who God actually is. God is actually that way, and he should regard him that way. He should trust in him. He should receive every good thing from God. And in the middle, as it says, we regard him not as an idol, but as God. So to regard God any other way, if you see God as any other way other than Uh, Believing him to be good, to be loving, to be self-giving, it's idolatry. Because this is who God has said he is. He is the good and loving God. And sin is disbelief and regarding him as a totally different God. And I think that's what's going on here in Genesis uh, 1 through 3. you guys um, have any thoughts on on that last uh, quote I just read any any thoughts as we read Genesis one through two and how that might relate to God being a good God and uh, and man receiving that good
4: Yeah. For me to, to his image. Um, we're constantly trying to make him so
3: much less than he is because we wanted to we need to be along with the game.
0: Right. Right.
3: There's a cute saying about that. It so says in the beginning God created man in his own image and ever since then we've been trying to return the favor. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's so good.
3: it's probably no accident. that the scriptures begin with creation you created. Mm-hmm. Really sets the stage
0: for
4: everything else that follows. Right. And just the refrain that God saw that it was good. That goodness is stressed um, from the very beginning. Yes. Yes. Thinking about that too, just in light of what we read this morning in church from Job. You know, Job is God's just as good and just as much God when things are falling through to Job and saying, where were you? And I laid the, the foundation of the earth. It's neat to think about that in light of reading the creation story that the same God that was there in the beauty of the beginning is the same God here with Job saying, I'm still God and I'm
3: unchanged.
0: Right. That's good.
3: Something about the image of God too reflects that the nature of God is relational with the created man. And it was the only thing that wasn't good horizontally as well as mm-hmm. vertically so mm-hmm. part of the image of God clearly is a relational image he's not just good but he wants to be in relation to
0: God. that's good we have that
3: same thing vertically and horizontally
0: yeah so what so he's getting to sort of what I wrote up there what is what is the image of God we've been, we've been asking ourselves for the past minute or so who who is this God in Genesis Um, And I think the message uh, would be to say that God is the self-giving God of love. Just as 1 John says, God is love, very simply. And Genesis shows that the creator from the very beginning has been love. Um, And so Genesis says in chapter 1... It wants us to know this. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion. So let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. So the questions we're asking is, who is this God? And in light of that, who God is showing himself to be, what does it mean for us to be human? At its very basic, what what are we here in this room? And what is everyone else out there? What does it mean to be human in light of who God says he is? Mr. Menendez uh, began to hint at it. I mean, I think it shows that God is relational. God is totally free to create. He has, there's nothing in the text that indicates that he was forced to create. He simply reached outside of himself to create out of his own sheer love out of his own sheer goodness. He saw that it was good, and then he takes a step back and, you know, comes back to himself, if you will, and and converses with himself and says, now here is the crowning point of the creation. Let's make man in our image and after our likeness. Who
4: is the owl? Our, that pronoun...
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, and please ask, by the way, I didn't say, please ask any questions as they come up. Since this is a discussion, what are y'all's
1: <laughs> thoughts? He was, he was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus was in the first verse of the book of Genesis. I mean he was with God. I mean that's who we, I see, we are. The
0: that's good. And I think Christian readers for the past 2,000 years have read, let us make man in our image as a reference to the Trinity. God is one, but he is three in persons. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. And I think Genesis 1.1 says at the very beginning, it, it hints at that at least. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And then it says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then if we take that with Genesis, or excuse me, John 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. Um. Here at the very beginning we have God, his spirit, and the word, him speaking. So uh, already hinting at God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. And Mr. Menendez sort of kind of got us going with the image of God, and um, I think he's right. Uh, it, It means that we're relational. So because God is this good God who freely gives of himself. Who reaches out, who doesn't stay to himself and secure himself. He reaches out in love and grace and goodness. And to be made in the image of God based on what we see in this story is is that we too can uh, love and move beyond ourselves. I'm thinking here of The summary of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. The overarching message of the Bible is is that we can relate to God and then relate to others. We We are not stuck inside ourselves. Ah, but you see what sin has done. It has caused us to be stuck inside ourselves. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, I think often we sort of think all of us are humans, and um, we as Christians are Christian humans, as if it's sort of something additional to being human. But what I think is so profound is, while everyone is truly made in the image of God, whether, whether they believe or not... We're calling people to not just be Christians, but to be more human, because this is who you are. This is who you were made to be, and sin is totally working against who you were made to be. We're addressing the very core of the person when we share the gospel thought I would just read these quotes to us, because they help sort of stimulate thinking. For this is the argument of the book, says Calvin. After the world had been created, man was placed in it as as in a theater. So creation is a theater. That he, beholding above him and beneath the wonderful works of God, might reverently adore their author. He says again, Therefore, by this word, image, and likeness, the perfection of our whole nature is designated, as it appeared when Adam was endued with a right judgment, had affections in harmony with reason, had all his senses sound and well-regulated, and truly excelled in everything good. Thus the chief seat of the divine image was in his mind, his heart, where it was eminent yet there was no part of him in which some scintillations of it did not shine forth. And here we go again. The image of God comprises in itself the knowledge of him who is the chief good. Just like Luther said in Galatians, God is good and man is to regard him as such. Calvin says what it means to be made in the image of God is that we know him who is the chief good. I'm going to skip down to Luther for sake of time. Therefore, my understanding of the image of God is this, the middle one, that Adam had it in his being and that he not only knew God and believed that he was good, but that he also lived in a life that was wholly godly. That is, he was without the fear of death or of any other danger, and was content with God's favor. One more. But he himself shapes him according to his image. So God shapes him according to his image, as if he were God's partner, and one who would enjoy God's rest. And so Adam is a dead and an active clod before he is formed by the Lord. God takes that clod, from it a most beautiful creature which has a share in immortality. Any thoughts? Just reading that. Content with God's favor. I love that. Mm -hmm. Content with God's favor. I think sort of the overarching message again and again, which is what I'm trying to bring out. God is good. Yes, Calvin says, there's a perfection to all of Adam and Eve. But it consists mainly in seeing that God is good. The perfection means God is good. He is loving. And we are to be content with God's favor toward us. What does it mean to be human? It means to trust. And I love what Luther says here. And so Adam is a dead and an active clod before he is formed by the Lord. God takes that clod and forms from it a most beautiful creature, which has a share in immortality. Just think what (laughs) sin has done. We, We are really nothing on our own which is exactly what Jesus says is in John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You are nothing apart from me because you receive every good thing from me. Being human means to, to recognize that we receive every good thing. Who we are is dependent on God alone. Because he is good and because he is loving. So now what are what are our thoughts? We have, I think, about ten minutes. What are our thoughts on the two trees? The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, Let's see. Uh, verse uh, 15. The Lord God of chapter 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. How do we often and if if we're pressed, if someone on the street were asking us, what did Adam and Eve do, what would we say? What's our sort of natural instinct? Disobey.
3: disobey the apple.
0: They yeah, they bit into the apple.
4: One small thing they couldn't they could eat of any tree in the whole garden except
0: one. Right. They had every single thing, including the tree of life, which is clearly some sort of special tree in the narrative. And yet they... Yeah, and every
4: tree was good for food. Everything was appealing to the eye. It's not like this tree was superior to the other trees. It was just for good.
0: Right.
3: And it also strikes to the the very root of who has the prerogative to define good and evil. God has already declared it good so it's obviously his creation and his prerogative to determine if it's sufficient and good mm-hmm. creation and he intends to retain that and not give up that space and in so doing instructs his creation you know this is this is my space you can't have this space that's the very thing that they took."
0: yeah that's really good If we're pressed, I think, and these have been good comments, I think we tend to, or at least most of us, um, a lot of people tend to regard it just as you know the knowledge of the good of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is is some sort of arbitrary command, like God just set an arbitrary command for no purpose. Um, and Adam and Eve broke a law. They broke a law. Uh, they should have obeyed, but they disobeyed. Um, and I think, I guess what sort of has provoked me to lead these two classes is I, I don't think that's a good enough answer and really understanding what's going on in the text or in the message of the Bible. Um, Behind that, which we've already kind of said, is, is, no, God is a good God. Man is to receive this creation. He is not to be his own creator or his own God. He is to regard God as good and truthful and wise. He is to receive. Man is, therefore, to trust and to receive life from him rather than knowing good and evil.
1: You know, once you know good and evil, which we were not to do, we make ourselves judge. We become judges. Mm-hmm. You know, good and evil. And so therefore it puts us in the place of God.
0: That's right. Very good. and.
3: We still don't know good and evil. We think we do, but we call good, evil,
1: and evil good.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it is kind of interesting that, um, which we didn't read, of course, chapter 3, but ironically, they don't exactly know good and evil. They try to reach for it, but in a way, they sort of do, because finally, evil comes to them at last. Um, disorder of the creation and of themselves is they now know it.
4: and the distrust of God. I mean, they doubt His goodness.
3: Right. Right. That's evil. Right. As far as we can get with it, we usually define things that are bad and things that disrupt our own personal comfort. That's our attempt at defining good and evil. It's pretty subjective, isn't it? And very, very base level, you know, God's references to good and evil have much more depth to
0: them, much more understanding of who we are than we even
3: understand of ourselves.
0: Because after all, He is the Creator and we are made in His image, not our own. Yeah.
1: And we fall for a lie. Satan still tricks us into falling of the life he shoots us mm-hmm.
0: yeah that is the message of genesis mm-hmm. he's being dishonest with you
1: and we still experience i mean we now experience it in our everyday life uh, as we walk the walk of faith satan tempts us with his lies mm-hmm. is he really
0: there are you sure and on and on and Yeah. And we begin to distrust and regard God not as a good God.
1: Go this way. Oh yeah, maybe that's the best way to go. Yeah. Eat this. You'll love it.
0: That's right. As we wrap up, I think what what all of y'all have been saying is sort of what Calvin and Luther say as they understand the tree. Some of them are more helpful maybe to us than others, some of the quotes. Calvin says, God intended, therefore, that man, as often as he tasted the fruit of that tree, should remember whence he received his life, in order that he might acknowledge that he lives not by his own power, but by the kindness of God alone, and that life is not, as they commonly speak, an intrinsic good, but proceeds from God. I just realized it's 1054. I thought it was 1044. (laughs) Tell you what, let's stop here, but if I can offer one last comment. I think this is a... should cause us to worship every single day because every single day that I get out of bed, I think my life consists in my own power. But Calvin says this tree of life reminds us that we receive totally from the kindness of God alone. So every morning as we wake up and every evening that we go to bed, we should remember that God is good and that we receive from Him alone. Mm -hmm. Well, sorry that I kept you late. I guess that means the discussion was riveting, right? (laughs) Well, thanks for putting up with me, and I I hope to see you next week as we sort of more clearly answer the questions.